Good morning. Shalom, everyone. It's a joy to be here and uh, uh, share with you and truly missing uh, Jeff and Laura. We love you. We pray for you as well. All of our staff is uh, praying as well. So um, wonderful to be with you. For those that um, have known me, I've been here a couple of times uh, before. And uh, let me just say, if you were blessed by that music video, we actually produced additional amazing three music videos for Christmas. So go to our YouTube channel. I think if they're not there, they're going to be there very soon. Absolutely just an amazing video. I, I cry every time I listen to those songs. So um, it's been a great blessing. So for um, those that do not know me, let me very briefly just uh, tell you about my background. I was uh, born and raised in Israel to what we would call in Israel a traditional Jewish family. I've never heard about Jesus of Nazareth, even though I visited Jerusalem and Nazareth and the Sea of Galilee throughout my childhood. That's very typical for Israelis of my generation. And um, I've heard about the gospel, about Yeshua, about Jesus, the first time when I was uh, 22, after my military service. And um, it was through a testimony of uh, Gentile Christians that have caused me to jealousy which I'll just add in parenthesis, is one of the main and most neglected missional, missional uh, tasks of the church. And, um, you know, I thought I was the first and only uh, person to have made this great discovery that Jesus of Nazareth is also the Messiah of the Jewish people, not just of everybody else, and uh, just not knowing anyone else. So uh, since that time, I've, I've returned to Israel and found that I wasn't the only one. There were several hundreds or, I don't know, maybe a thousand believers. This is 30 years ago. I met my wife, who's here, Cece, and uh, Cece has grown up in uh, one of the very first uh, families of Jewish believers in Jesus. In the country, They were in the country when the country was established in 1948, and we are blessed with uh, three young adult children. So, um, you know, about the ministry of Vaughn for Israel, I'll show you in just one moment another picture, but um, it's truly above and beyond anything that we could have ever dreamed of, and... Um, the message about the messiahship of Jesus is once again a topic of discussion in the Jewish world, which it has not been for 2,000 years. I mean, it's, it's really been something that a lot of our national spiritual leaders have been tried to push off the table. It's not even an option. Now, I'm not saying this is all one for Israel by any means, but we have the privilege of participating in the process of making the messiahship of Jesus a, an attractive and, a, and an option for Jewish people in Israel and worldwide. So, you know, I, I actually want to talk about, it's, it's kind of late in the game, I guess, uh, but I want to talk about Thanksgiving and ask the question, does Thanksgiving have Jewish origin? And um, not just look at the historical perspective, but also look at what I would call the ultimate Thanksgiving. And Talking about Thanksgiving and giving thanks, I want to uh, just tell you this morning, my testimony is that I am a blessed man. I'm a man that God is blessed or is blessing. And, um, you know, I, I say that because my past, I know that my sins are forgiven and my past is redeemed. My present is meaningful and my future is secured. And if you know the Messiah as well, then your testimony can be the same. I mean, that it actually is the same, that we are blessed people. 
Now, about Thanksgiving, you know, as a non-American that loves America, I've always been infatuated with Thanksgiving. I mean, I just always think it's really cool that as a nation, you stop everything and you dedicate a day, or at least as the followers of, of Jesus, you know, you dedicate a day to just thank God, not asking him for anything, not just, you know, not, not giving him the, our prayer list. It's important, but just giving thanks and trying to uh, bring up to our consciousness all the wonderful things that God has done for us. So, you know, I, 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 this last year I did a little more reading uh, about Thanksgiving and I, I also came across some websites of American Jewish people. And I was surprised to see that some of them recognize or make connections to uh, the, quote, Jewish origins of Thanksgiving. And it was particularly drawing parallels between the early settlers in the United States, the Puritans that came from England, uh, or through, through uh, the Netherlands, I guess, historically speaking. But, you know, they, they, the early settlers in, in America, what would become the USA, um, likened themselves to the Israelites. And they were fleeing from the evil pharaoh at that time, the king of England, that, you know, was persecuting them. And they crossed the Atlantic Ocean, which they likened to the Red Sea the, that was parted, and they've come to the Promised Land. Not quite Israel, but still, you know, the United States of America, what would become the United States of America. And they have chosen the fall season, when the harvest is gathered, to thank God for everything that he has done in the previous year. Which again, has, first of all, I think it's very it's, it's a wonderful thing, but I also think that there are clear parallels between Thanksgiving and the uh, biblical feast of tabernacles. Now, you know, by and large, and I'm generalizing here, and certainly uh, I know that Pastor Jeffrey is something that's close to his heart, uh, the biblical appointed days or the biblical holidays, but by and large, the church at large in the last 2,000 years have been robbed from the knowledge, awareness, and the depth that the biblical appointed days offer to the Christian faith. And um, actually, if we can go to the second uh, slide, please, for a second. Talking about Thanksgiving, what you see in this picture is approximately 500 young adults, um, so ages, I don't know, 21, I guess, to, to 30 or so. Uh, they're all Israeli Jewish believers in Jesus, and they have all gathered to give thanks to God. Now, if you would have told my wife or me 30 years ago that there would be 500 young adults that are followers of Jesus in the whole country, we would say, wow, that sounds wonderful, but probably close to impossible. And yet, you know, we serve the God of, of the impossible, and um, it was just a wonderful Event You know, 500 people doesn't sell very much, I guess, for the uh, American church. And uh, the American church is blessed in, in multiple ways with a lot of uh, educational manpower uh, resources. For us, you know, we had to cut the registration at 500 because of like city code and stuff like that. And um, it was just an absolutely amazing to give thanks together. So let me go back for a second to um, the appointed days. So next slide, please. So the appointed days, um, referred to also as the biblical feasts, are essentially found in the book of Leviticus. Now, the book of Leviticus is, sound, is, is found at the heart of the Pentateuch, 
And I can probably safely say that it is the least read book by most Christians. Parts of it can be very technical, about sacrifice, about this, a lot of details, a little bit boring. But there are parts that are absolutely uh, uh, beautiful and marvelous. And I believe that chapter 23 of Leviticus is one of those passages. And that's the, pa that's the chapter that talks about the appointed days. Actually, a very good translation, by the way, uh, into English, appointed days, because that's really the word. The word is not holidays or festivals. It's appointed days. When we say about a certain day, or when God said about a certain day that it's appointed, it already gives us a sense that God did it for a purpose, that there is a purpose. And so the purpose of the appointed days is no less to tell us about the plan of salvation for humanity. The first appointed day is the Passover, talking to us about the sacrifice of the Messiah. Then we have the uh, appointed day of the waving of the sheaf, and that talks to us about the resurrection of the Messiah. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I will just say that the last point today is the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a season of giving thanks to God after the fall harvest. So I'll draw some parallels there. But I want to focus today on three reasons for Thanksgiving, or Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And I want to read three short passages that some of them may be familiar, but they're all from the Pentateuch, so I don't think you come across them very, very often. Now, you know, all those passages are talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, we say, well, wh why does God speak about it in three different directions? Now, some of you may remember um, some years ago before the digital revolution and we had cell phones and, you know, smart TVs and all that. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I was listening to sports events on like a transistor radio. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, put it in your ear. And a transistor radio, I mean, the sound in that transistor radio is what we would call today mono, you know, single channel sound. Now, today we have advanced and we are used to surround sound. So there are several speakers across the room and each one of them broadcasts a sound. Now, in, if you have a mixer, then each one of those um, uh, speakers kind of sounds, it sounds a little bit different in each one of them, but all of them together gives us a much more real experience. And that is how scripture operates. That's how God did it in, in the Bible. Many, many times we would find that God speaks differently about the same topic. And I would like to submit to you that that's like a surround sound by God to us. And so that's a little bit of the story of those three passages. And I would like to begin, and I'm going to read to you, uh, the first purpose of Thanksgiving is to remember or to recall. And I'm going to read from um, Leviticus 23, 39 to 43. On the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, so fall festival, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. And you shall take the, on the first day the fruit of the splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths. Notice verse 43, because that's the reasoning. So that, 
Your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in boots when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So God is saying, I know the human heart. Technology may change, culture may change, but the human heart stays the same. And as people, we forget. And if, I think if we're honest, we say, well, when do we sincerely call upon the Lord? I mean, I'm sure we're sincere for the Lord every time, but when do we really pursue the Lord? Is it when everything is going really well and, and we're just kind of cruising through life, or is it when things go a little rougher? And if you belong to the human race, then you call upon the Lord. You know, you pers- really pursue Him when things are going a little more rough. And God is saying, so when you, when you gather the goodness and you stop and think about it, remember, remember you and all your generations what God has done for you. So the first reason for Thanksgiving is to remember. And um, related to that, still on remembering or recalling, I want to read another short passage, a few verses from the book of Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy 8, verses 11 to 14 and 17 and 18. And God is uh, talking to Israel as they're about to enter the promised land. And he says the following. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your heart, sorry, your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your, forefather, to your fathers, as it is this day. So, you know, God says, well, when I'm blessing you, when you walk with me, I'm going to bless you. But when I'm blessing you, it's easier to forget who you are and where you come from. And it's easier to think, well, you know, I got it made. I mean, I already know how this thing works. I already know how to, um, you know, to be successful or whatever it is. And God says, well, just remember who's giving you the blessing. And um, that always reminds me, when I I read those passages, it reminds me, particularly in the context of the Feast of Tabernacles, we read earlier, and it's, it's still done today by Jewish people, you know, that on the fall festival of tabernacles, we actually build those little shacks, I guess, um, you know, uh, temporary housing, and we, we, we stain them for seven days. So, you know, as a kid, it's a lot of fun. I remember I have two brothers, my brothers and I, uh, we lived in an apartment building, and so all the neighbors would come out, and we would build, you know, the, the, the booth, the sukkah, and, and we would eat meals there, and we would sleep there. We, it was great fun as kids. I mean, our kids used to love it when, when you know, when they were younger. Um, I have to say that as, as parents, you know, it was less fun to sleep on the ground, but, you know, it's what it is. And, um, but we always, we always thought, I remember as kids, it was like, oh, it was 4,000 years ago, you know, God took our forefathers out of Egypt. And, pff, ancient history, I mean, who, you know, how can you even relate to this? And um, it became a little more real to us when our mother, uh, so my mom's family, are from Babylon, they're from Iraq, you know, they were there for... Uh, since the first temple diaspora, a long time, 2,500 years. So my mom immigrated with her family when she was a young child, and when they came to the young state of Israel, just after the state was established, there were simply no houses. I mean, literally, no apartments. And so they had to live in, you know, a booth, a tent, for two or three years. 
And so my mom's telling my brothers and I that, and, and we're hearing this, and we say, wow, it's got to be fun. You know, you're outside all the time, and you get to play, and you know, you get to... You know, my mom said, well, you know, it, it was fun in the summer sometimes, but it was not far in the winter. When, you know, there's rain, and there's wind, and, you know, it, it's kind of, you're getting wet in the middle of the night, and that helped make it a little more real for my brothers and I. So my point is, and I'm repeating what I said earlier, technology may change, and the culture may change, but the human heart remains the same. And we need to recall the blessings and rem remind our um, generations after us about the blessing that God has given us. Uh, so my mom kept on telling us, you know, when after like three years of living in a, in a, in a tent, when we moved to it, they gave them this tiny apartment, uh, the government did, and they were like, wow, it's, you know, we have a roof over our head, there's actual walls, you know, the wind and the rain cannot get in. It was like a great, a great thing for them at the time. So we are blessed, you know, on those kind of things. So that's the first reason. The second reason is to reflect, and when I say to reflect, I mean to, to project to, uh, to the outside world God's goodness. That's the second purpose of thanksgiving, to project to the outside world the goodness of our God. And so I want to read um, from Deuteronomy 16. This is another passage talking about tabernacles. I'm going to only read three verses, verses 13 to 15. God is speaking again and he's saying, You shall keep the feast of booth seven days when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your winepress. You shall rejoice in your feast. And you and your son, notice this, who are you going to celebrate with? You and your son, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who, who are within your gates, within your towns. For seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce, in all the work of your hands, so that you will be altogether joyful. So to give it a little bit of a context. So, you know, in the, in the appointed days, just before the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the last feast in the biblical year, then you have the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is the most solemn day in the biblical calendar. That's a day where all the nation of Israel collectively would search their hearts and repent for the national sins. Now, clearly, it also involved each one searching their own heart, but the idea here is a collective coming before the Lord and searching our hearts. A very, very solemn day until today. Most people fast and so on. And um, kind of in a fairly immediate switch from the solemn day of the Day of Atonement, we get to the Feast of Tabernacles where it's basically a week-long party. You know, and everybody's celebrating together, and you're eating together, and your friends are visiting you, and your neighbors are visiting you. And God says, yes, but don't only celebrate it with your loved ones. And I think that kind of echoes what uh, Jesus said. Well, if you only love those that love you, I mean, what are you any different? Right? That's, that's our challenge as followers of, of Jesus. And so God is saying, you will actually celebrate it. You're going to project my goodness to the outside. You're going to bring the people that are, you know, the servants and the Levite that is serving the Lord and he doesn't have time to work in his field and the sojourner who's kind of passing through and he doesn't really have, you know, land and to live off of land. 
the fatherless and the widow, the weak in society. God is saying, if you want to to reflect my goodness, then you have to include those that are marginalized in society or or have less in society. So, you know, again, I'm I'm humbled and blessed uh, to see what you do with the uh, angel uh, initiative that Pastor Randy talked about. It's just amazing, you know. And I think that speaks exactly to this principle. So we want to reflect God's goodness to outside. That's the second reason for thanksgiving. And it's always the case, you know, uh, even as followers of of Jesus, and I I mentioned to you before that I'm a blessed man. Now, the fact that I am a blessed man, I am a blessed man, but that doesn't mean that life is... um, Life is without challenges. Life is always rosy. There are no difficulties. That, that, it happens. I mean, it's part of the course of human life. And it's probably true for many of us. And some of us may have had a particularly hard year this year. But even within that context, uh, that's something where thanksgiving or giving thanks to God is so, so powerful. Because no matter what happens, and no matter what the circumstances are, He is good and He is worthy of our thankfulness. So that's the second reason. The third reason for the Feast of Tabernacles, and I want to also submit to you for Thanksgiving, is to go back to the Word of God. And we find that passage in Deuteronomy 31. I'm going to read verses 10 to 13. And Moses commanded them, at the end of seven years, Uh, excuse me, at the end of every seven years, at the set time, in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, or Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they, why all that? That they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law. And that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. So as, as I read these passages, I'm, I'm thinking, well, how many, how many copies of the Bible I have? You know, how many copies of the Bible you have? So, you know, probably one in the car, one in the living room, one in the bedroom. Uh, You know, we have it on our phones, on our iPads, on whatever it is. I mean, we're blessed. That was not the case through most of human history. A copy of the Word of God was not something that was as accessible, certainly in ancient Israel. And this is why God is saying, we need to take the time and make the effort to remember God's Word and refocus our attention and our, our diligence on the Word of God. And not only us, I mean, certainly us, but also the following generations. And maybe, again, we're blessed and we're probably giving our children, our grandchildren, again, we can guide them, we can't force them. But there are those opportunities, and Thanksgiving is one of them, as we give thanks to God to refocus our hearts and our actions on His Word. So that's the third reason, as, as it were. Now, the last thing, the last point I want to make about Thanksgiving is what I call the ultimate Thanksgiving. But by that I mean, you know, each one of, of those biblical feasts uh, in Leviticus has 
what I call a prophetical fulfillment. And I've given the example of the Passover, you know, the exodus of Israel, but then it ultimately talks about the exodus of the human race through the sacrifice, not of the Passover lamb, but of the ultimate Passover lamb, the Messiah himself. And in a similar way, I mean, as we finish the cycle, we come to the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Tabernacles, the, the prophetic fulfillment, is what I call the ultimate thanksgiving. And so I want to read with you um, a couple of short passages. The first one is from uh, the book of Zechariah and chapter 14. So the context for Zechariah 14 is that um, it's what the, the Bible called Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation. A very, very uh, a terrible season of seven years. There's great persecution for both the believers in Jesus that are going to be there and also for the, um, for the Jewish people. And, um, you know, at the end of the seven-year uh, tribulation, all the nations that are remaining are going to gather their armies to complete once and for all the job of annihilating the Jewish people. There's great, I mean, some people think that only a third of the Jewish people survived to that point, and everything seems lost because all the armies are coming around Jerusalem for this one final blow. And right then, at that time, at the 12th hour, as it were, the Messiah himself is descending down. His feet are going to be on the Mount of Olives. And, um, and then we get to this passage. I mean, basically, he, he, he saves Israel, and not as individuals, but as a nation, those remaining will look upon him whom we have pierced, in Zechariah's words. And as a nation, Israel will believe on the Messiah. And then the, the, the period that is called the Millennial Kingdom, the 1,000 uh, years of Messiah's reign on the earth, will begin. And that's where we get to Zechariah 14. And I want to read only verse 16. Then everyone who survives... Of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Booths. So in the Millennial Kingdom, it's going to be at least this once a year that all the nations are coming up to the uh, renewed Jerusalem. It's going to be much bigger than the current day Jerusalem. Zechariah and other prophets talk about it. And the king is no other than the high king of heaven, the Messiah himself. So that's gonna, something that we can look forward to. And Thanksgiving maybe has given us a foretaste of that. Now I'll conclude by reading, or this part, by reading uh, from the book of Micah, chapter 4, very well-known verses. Isaiah is talking about it and other prophets. Just wonderful verses. Let me read them. And it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established at the heights, I'm sorry, at the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that, he may, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and he shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. 
And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall their, uh, they learn war anymore. But they shall seat every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. So this is something we can, you know, look forward in our hearts towards. But this is what awaits us when the king returns and he reigns for a thousand years. And so as I conclude, as I'm finishing up here this morning, you know, why Thanksgiving? First of all, to look back. To look back and give thanks to God for everything that he has done with us throughout our lives, but particularly uh, for this past year, for his love, for his mercy, for his many, many, many blessings throughout, you know, the walk that we have in this world. It's a day of rejoicing and it's a day of purpose that all generations may know the true and living God. So that's the first purpose. Uh, the second purpose is just to thank God for the present. You know, we are here and we can focus on his word. We enjoy tremendous freedom. You know, um, I think in the United States, certainly, uh, certainly for us in Israel, there's a lot of attempts to limit our freedom, even together and to worship. And all of us are just, you know, fresh out of COVID. So remember how it feels, you know, that we can't gather together and, and so on. So the simple things that at least we used to take for granted, uh, those, those freedoms, something to be thankful for and thank God for his loving kindness and patience uh, with us. And finally, looking ahead to the hope that we have that our future is secure and the Messiah and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that is coming back to this earth, that he is, I mean, he's just so patient letting us, um, you know, letting more people come into the kingdom. So I hope that you find that both positive and, um, I mean, encouraging and challenging and may God help us. May I uh, pray for you and then I believe Paul is coming for the Lord's Supper. So let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, we are just humbled as we remember and as we recall your many, many, many blessings and just uh, want to give you thanks and praise for all that you have done and, and all that you're doing and all that you will do on our behalf. And Lord, we want to recommit ourselves to you and just, Lord, I want to pray a special blessing on the church at the Red Door, Pastor Jeffrey the family and the whole team just pray that you continue to encourage them and to put your good hand upon them lord would you send many many more to hear the message of salvation now that there's so much openness and the the, the gates are open for everyone to come in so we just uh, give that to you we give you the thanks we give you the praise in jesus name amen uh what i was thinking um when i was listening to the the song that you chose this morning and singing in all the different languages. I remember when my wife and I first became believers, it was just a few months as believers, we went to Russia on a mission trip. And I remembered being so surprised that God is everywhere. I mean, I was sitting in the church and they're singing songs I knew, but only in Russian. So you, know, you knew the melody, but didn't know the song. You know, that made a huge mm -hmm. impact on us. That God is worldwide and he's changing the world step right. by step. And what I, you know, today I'm talking about Thanksgiving. We're here to really, the exactly. ultimate Thanksgiving mm -hmm. with communion that we're all going to share. And 
you know, I was want to do something different with the communion, and I would, would counting on you to be a sure. part of this. Um, I, all of us know, you know, when you break the bread, this is the body of Christ and so forth. I just thought it'd be really special if you do that, but also do it in your native language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, just Absolutely. to take it. Everybody knows what it means, but sure. together, do that together mm -hmm. with each other. Yeah. So I'm just going to lead Absolutely. us through that. Sure. You want me to hold that for you? Or no, are you it's gonna... okay. It's okay. all right. So I'm going to pray blessing over the of the wine thanking the lord for his body that was broken and his blood that was shed on our behalf ba'uchata adonai elohenu melech ha'olam ba'ore pri ha'gafen adon anachnu mudim lecha al gufcha shenishbar al damcha shenishpach avurenu vazeh shnachu yikhulim lachriz et ha'achdut shelanu thank god for his body that was broken the bread that symbolizes that. so please go ahead and take your elements. Well, thank you again so much for sharing with us. It's exciting news to see how God's moving in Israel. Oh, my goodness. It's my pleasure. You know, I mean, it's watching his... Uh, his promise coming to be, you know, and being able to be chosen to be one of those people to bring it forth is just awesome for each and every one of us to be able to witness that. So again, I want to thank you so much for being here and blessing us. And we're going to, oh yes, please. Thank you. So we're going to close with one final song. And then after that, of course, go ahead and our service will be over. Thank right. you.